The mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what is that to me and to thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the waiters, Do whatever he tells you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Doesn't it seem unusual for Jesus to address his mother as woman? The Gospels tell us that Jesus often addresses women this way. In every case, this form of address is polite and respectful. But why would Jesus address his own mother this way? Woman. This choice of words suggests that the word woman has symbolic value with regard to Mary. Jesus calls her woman not only at Cana, but also at Calvary. When from the cross, he said to Mary, with regard to St. John, Woman, behold your son. Catholic tradition offers an enlightening explanation. This word woman at Cana and Calvary describes Mary's very unique role and her universal motherhood. Let's recall that in the book of Genesis, woman was the name which Adam gave to Eve. In the story of Cana, Mary is called woman so that we can see Mary as especially created by God to undo the harm which Eve had done to the human family. Just as Jesus, the Son of God, can be seen as the new Adam, so also is Mary called to be the new Eve. Think about it. The first woman led the first Adam to commit his evil act in the garden. And at Cana, the new woman, Mary, she leads the new Adam, Jesus, to perform his first glorious work. When the new Eve says they have no wine, the new Adam works his first public miracle. The first Eve counseled Adam to disobey God and to help himself to the fruit. But the new Eve, Mary, she counsels the new Adam, Jesus, to help other people in their needs while teaching the people to obey to obey Jesus in faith. Do whatever he tells you, she says. Genesis tells us that the first Eve was the mother of all the living. At Cana and at Calvary, Jesus acknowledges Mary, the new Eve, as the mother of the church, the mother of the children of God. Mary's obedience to God And charity for others heals the wounds of selfishness which we inherit from Eve. The book of Genesis then goes on to tell us that after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God put enmity between the serpent and the woman Eve. And God foretold a decisive struggle throughout all human history between the offspring of the woman 
and the offspring of the serpent. God promised that the woman's male child would crush the serpent's head. Now, God's promise in the book of Genesis is invoked in the Bible's final book, the book of the Apocalypse. When St. John writes about a woman he saw in a vision. This woman of the apocalypse, she gives birth to a male child. While a huge serpent, whom St. John explicitly identifies as the serpent of Genesis, the serpent waits to devour the offspring of the woman. This woman's offspring is described as the long-awaited Messiah. A male child, St. John says, who would rule all the nations. This child could only be Jesus. So the woman could only be his mother Mary. When the child is born and is taken up into heaven, St. John tells us the serpent makes war against the rest of the woman's offspring. This offspring of the woman is seen as the church, the people of God. That's why the woman of St. John's Apocalypse has from the earliest days of the church been interpreted as a symbol of Mary. Mary as the mother of the church. And this woman of the Apocalypse, this, this new Eve, she begins her universal motherhood of the living by interceding for those children in need at the wedding feast of Cana. When she says today, they have no wine. So we who struggle against the forces of evil and sin in our lives, and in the lives of those people who are close and dear to us, we should often think of Mary, the woman of Cana. Just as Mary at Cana brought those needs to Christ, as she interceded for those people. So does Mary today continue to bring our needs to her son Jesus by interceding for us as our mother. Mary knows our pains. She knows our struggles. And from heaven, Mary sees the needs of each one of us, her children. She's constantly praying for us to her son. And Jesus is very attentive to her prayers. He is ready to grant her whatever she asks, even earlier than expected, just as he did today at the wedding feast of Cana. And although we may have seen Mary's intercession in our lives and seen it firsthand at times, we may also ask, why is it that more often than not, our needs so often go unfulfilled? Why is it that our prayers to Mary seem to go unanswered? The reason is frequently our disobedience. The servants at the wedding feast of Cana, they listened to Mary's entreaty when she told them, do whatever he tells you. And they promptly obeyed when Jesus told them to fill up to the brim all those large jars with water. But as for us, are we always truly obedient to what Jesus is asking us to do 
Do we fill up our jars all the way to the brim? Do we obey Jesus' voice, which we hear, and the quiet of our conscience? Today, ask yourself, is my heart stubborn, insisting on my own way? Are my eyes jealous of the good things I see in other people? Is my mind forgetful of the many blessings God has already given to me? Is my pride preventing me from forgiving my neighbor? Is my impatience pushing others aside? Is my laziness not doing what is necessary for Jesus to be able to help me? Too often, we disobey Mary, and we choose not to do whatever Jesus tells us. And that is the reason for our unhappiness. That is the reason for those difficult moments in our lives. As a result, we have no wine. That is, we suffer from a great interior thirst, and we are restless, we are unhappy, because our faults are obstacles to what Jesus and Mary can do for us. If we do not obey, if we do not pray, if we do not work to fill up the jars with water and to fill them up to the brim, then there will be no wine. If we do not take time each morning to pray, if we don't make efforts to do our spiritual reading, if we don't look for ways to help others in charity, then we should not be surprised that we are thirsty and unhappy. We have not worked to fill up our jars with water all the way to the brim, as Jesus and Mary have asked us to do. And so, my dear friends, at the start of 2019, as our New Year's resolution, perhaps already, is beginning to fail, let us repent of our lack of cooperation with God's plan for us, And let us resolve to fill up spiritually the jars of our soul and to fill them up to the very brim. Let's reject the disobedience of the first woman, Eve. And let us adopt the virtue of Mary, the woman who is the new Eve, the woman who has been given to us as our mother. Mary who says to us today, Do whatever he tells you. In times of sacrifice and trial, let us say yes to God like Mary, repeating her words, be it done to me according to thy word. And when we are weak, let's ask Mary, our mother, again and again and again, at least three times each day in our daily Angelus, let's ask Mary for the help we need to fill up the jars of our soul with spiritual water all the way to the brim each and every day. So let us pray. Let us persevere in good works. Let us be spiritually active. And then, after death, our souls will no longer be parched and thirsty. But because of the good water 
we will have stored up in those jars during our life here on earth, we shall receive a reward for our obedience and charity. And we shall receive plenty of God's good wine, good and tasty wine at the heavenly banquet, and the life of the world to come. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.